Suffer Pod Show was produced and managed by podtalk.co.uk. I'm Mark Mason. And I'm Susanna Hornby. Episode 11, talking to Piers Day, therapist, international life coach and mentor. Piers is a registered clinical hypnotherapist as well as a neurolinguistic specialist and helps people through all sorts of problems, including depression, anxiety, addiction and fear. Piers is joining us today to lift the lid off hypnotherapy and to talk about how he works with adults and children. Welcome, Piers Day. Thank you very much indeed. (laughs) What a lovely welcome that is. (laughs) Well, it's our absolute pleasure to have you. And before we get into everything that you do, Piers, you are Suffolk born and bred. Uh, Yeah, I was actually born in Cambridge Hospital. Mm -hmm. I was born and bred Newmarket and then Lydgate. Oh, okay. Where's Lydgate exactly? Lydgate's between Wickenbrook and Newmarket, about seven miles from Newmarket. My father was a a solicitor in Newmarket at Ruston and Lloyd's. Right, okay. And you schooled in Suffolk? I schooled in Suffolk. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was at Morton Hall Prep School Mm -hmm. uh, in both Snedmans. And then my parents liked me so much, they sent me to Dorset to be educated for for boarding. So I went to Milton Abbey, but then came straight back to Suffolk. Right, okay. No, I I think my parents did that to me too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be loved isn't it yeah. yeah I feel really special right now as you, you travel through school obviously and when you broke out into the big bad world what, what did you do then I did some traveling like most sort of late teenagers early 20s do mm-hmm. uh, and then I went to London for seven years mm-hmm. eight years and then came back to glorious Suffolk and moved to Alborough and I lived in Alborough when I was first married for uh, three years, four years, mm-hmm. and then moved inland, moved back towards Paris and Edmonds. Right. And when did you start taking up work as a therapist? I started working as a therapist full time in 2000. Mm-hmm. And before that, I played with the idea. I went on a hypnotherapy course and then got into NLP mm. and other different modalities and became full time in about 2000. Right, okay, so we are talking 20 years ago. What made you take that course? When, in the mid-90s, very, very sadly, and this is a horrible thing to say, but very, very sadly, uh, three friends of mine committed suicide Mm. in about an 18-month period. And that hit me quite hard, and I wanted to start learning why people would get themselves in such a bad state that they would want to take their own lives. And that took me into hypnosis, and the rest is history. And so you, you studied it in Cambridge? I studied at the Cambridge College of Hypnotherapy. Right, okay. That was a basic course. It was a, a year and a half long course. And then from there, every year I spent an obscene amount of money on furthering my education. Mm. Talk to us a bit more about NLP. NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming, it's a way of getting your mind to communicate with you better getting rid of limiting beliefs, getting rid of a lot of the everyday problems without actually having to go into the subject. Mm -hmm. It's what we call content-free. So I don't have to hear all the horrible stuff about people and what they've been through. Mm. We just deal with the feelings and the emotions and say, okay, something bad happened. What's the feeling you're left with? Mm. Then we work with that. Right. Okay. Is that all part of suggestion therapy or is that something different again? That's something very different again. Right. Uh, Suggestion is better when you start working with it with hypnosis. But hypnosis frightens a lot of people away because they think they're going to end up clucking like a chicken or come out with their their (laughs) PIN number for their bank account and that sort of stuff. Which doesn't actually happen unless you're on stage. I wanted to talk to you about 
hypnotherapy very much and, and what is involved in that whole process. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Because I think, as you've just said, people are terrified of it. Yes. Back in 1992, February the 24th at 10.35 a.m., I went to see a hypnotherapist and that was my last cigarette. And I was on between 60 and 80 a day and wow. he stopped me. And I haven't looked back since. Okay, I found a bit of weight, but I've been a non-smoker since that time. So that's one of the reasons to push me along the hypnotherapy route when I started looking into why people got depressed and you know, wanted to take their lives. Mm. Because to me, it affected me so so well mm. that I thought this is something really, really quite cool. Most people, like, like when I was hypnotized, most people say the same. I didn't think I was hypnotized. Right. And yet the suggestion and all the, the bits and pieces that Alan told me and kept me going with happened. Literally, I walked out as a non-smoker. And the power of it really, really amazed me. Mm. And the whole system of hypnosis is talking to your unconscious mind. So if you take your mind, people talk about their mind every day, mm -hmm. your mind's in two parts. You've got your conscious mind, is what you think with, and that's about 7% of your mind. Mm -hmm. And then you've got your unconscious mind, which is 93% of your mind. Good grief. That's a huge so, amount of mind. It is. We don't use our minds <laughs> at all. No. But you may think with your conscious mind, that's everything that you think on an everyday basis, and everything you've learned from the moment you arrived on this planet is in your unconscious mind. Okay. So nowadays you walk without thinking about it. Well, a baby has to really learn how to walk and the center of gravity, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And once you've got it, your unconscious mind takes over. So right. you have to go back to your programming of your mind in order to make the changes. Right. So part of the unconscious mind deals with second nature. Yes. That's a sort of similarity. But everything that we have done and seen and learnt is still stocked somewhere in the brain. Is that what you're saying? Yes, because any experience you have goes through three filters. It goes to, it's, it's, well, the first one is called generalization. Mm -hmm. Then there's deletion. So when you go through, you can, what, uh, how do I explain it better? Mm. What does chicken taste like chicken? What does rabbit taste like chicken? What does frog's legs taste like chicken? That's what we call a generalization. Right. Then you've got the distortion where it tries to fit things into an experience they've had before. Mm -hmm. So what does crocodile taste like, for example? Again, oh, I don't know, but I'll try and distort the taste to make it taste like chicken. Yeah. And then you've got deletion. Certain things that you don't want in your mind, you can just delete out. Right. Can you consciously do that, though? Sometimes, yes. Right. Okay. But all these things, once they've been through the, the, the mill, so to speak, those three filters, mm -hmm. they come up with a state, a belief, an action. Right. So emotions, feelings, and make you do things. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. All I want to know is how do those three states of the unconscious mind work into, or rather, how does the hypnotherapy apply to those three different states of mind? Okay, so someone's been through a, an experience, and mm -hmm. from that, they've come up with a state, a mental mindset, and they want to change it. Mm. So I then deal with the emotions, and I deal with the feelings that's left over from the event. Yep. So if someone comes to me and says, Piers, I'm not good enough, 
I can change that through NLP and hypnosis and loads of other different modalities I use. Mm. To, I am totally good enough. We take the power away from the negative and give the power back to the positive. That's amazing. And and as you said at the beginning of talking about hypnotherapy, sometimes you don't even realise you're hypnotised. Correct. Example, when you're driving in your car, you drive with your unconscious mind. You will sometimes drive somewhere and when you arrive, then go, how many traffic lights did I go through? I wasn't even paying mm. attention. Or I don't remember which way I came, but I've got here. Mm. That's your unconscious mind. So a lot of things happen in your unconscious without your conscious mind realizing it. Gosh. Okay. So when I work with people and they go into hypnosis, often their conscious mind is playing along in the background, but I'm dealing with the unconscious mind so they don't actually feel the difference. I understand. But that... when they leave, they go, Piz, wow, everything's changed. That's extraordinary. I've been dealing recently with a lady who, you know, a lovely lady, like a lot of people in lockdown, went through, oh, it's six o'clock, time for a gin and tonic. Mm -hmm. you know, like many, many people did, whether it's a beer, gin, whatever, wine, whatever it is that they want to drink, they get into the habit. Mm. And when lockdown finished, they became slightly reliant on the drink. Right. And they found that perhaps they were up to a bottle and a half of, of wine, maybe two bottles of wine a day. Mm. And when I was dealing with this lady, and she, she's a very sweet lady, there's nothing wrong with her apart from the fact she said, Piers, I'm drinking too much. I saw her for two sessions. Mm. And at the second session, she said, Piers, I don't know whether this is working or not. And she rang me a week later. She said, Piers, I haven't had a drink since, since I last saw you. <laughs> what, what have you done? She said, my husband poured a drink for me and I didn't drink it. And all I did is take the negative away and replace it with a positive, like she's more important than drink. Mm. It doesn't mean that she can't drink again, but it just rebalanced everything and everything is now in balance. As you just said earlier, that applies to so many of us. Yeah. Absolutely. And these limiting beliefs and these old habits come in and it's a question of just changing the habits so the person can then make the rest of their lives much better. Mm. Now, we wanted definitely to talk about depression and anxiety, two very different mm -hmm. illnesses, and I'm sure they have two very different, you have two very different approaches. I'm imagining you're seeing unfortunately, a lot more of that at the moment. Yeah, I hate to say the depression and anxiety are very, very similar. Mm. Yes, there are different approaches and every single person who sees me is different. But if you take someone who's very anxious and they have lots of electrical impulses going on in their mind and in their body, people say, oh, I can feel butterflies in my stomach. I can feel knots on the inside mm. in certain situations. When you get too many what I call electronic impulses, too many moments where it's just too much. Well, if you have lots and lots and lots happening, your mind will then, to protect you, start switching off some of the circuits, rather like in a house. Mm. If you're drawing too much electricity and the, the trip switch keeps going, that trip switch is rather like your mind. It will just switch off when you're drawing too much, when there's too much going on. Mm. And after a while, if it's not dealt with, you've got so little input coming in that the underside of your duvet is the best place to be because your mind is trying to protect you. Mm. So too many anxieties, the mind goes into start shutting down, so to speak, and it cuts off some of the circuitry. That's depression. Right. 
Um, yes, there are many different approaches, but I approach it in, okay, there's a feeling, there's a trigger that's making you anxious or depressed. Mm. So I don't deal with the depression. I deal with all the triggers that are going into those circuits. So the circuits can be turned back on and the person can suddenly feel better. Mm. Have you worked, I mean, I know you can't actually specifically talk about clients or what have you, but, you know, have you worked with anyone particularly that you can think of with depression, anxiety, that um, this is actually your therapy has worked with? Uh, yes, I do. I work a lot with uh, teenagers, a lot with kids. I love working with them because the results for them are much quicker. Because okay. there are less layers, less things have happened to them. Mm. Uh, but the one that, that I'm very, very proud of, so to speak, was about three years ago. And I had this guy, very, very depressed, kept on trying to take his life and not succeeding, luckily. And he sent me an email saying, I've just realized Orwell Bridge is for driving over, not jumping off. Wow. And that really brought a lump to my throat because I said, yes, we've done it. <laughs> He's suddenly seeing life in a totally different way. And so when you're working at that level of care with people, I have to be so careful. Mm. When you hear from these people two, three, five, ten, some now 18, 20 years down the line of how different their lives are, it's just quite incredible the job's worth of my work. I mm. care about the people who come and see me mm. to the extent that when they contact me and I say, look, please stay in contact. Some do, some don't. That's fine. Some people say, I want to leave that part of my life behind. Mm -hmm. So if, if they've been, a lot of people who have you know, sadly been abused or you know, whether it's physical or, or mental, mm. when I deal with them and they turn around and say, Piers, I just feel so much better. I can't thank you enough. Mm. Like a lady quite recently, <laughs> uh, another lady said Piers you know during lockdown I thought I was going mad I now realize I wasn't amazing I keep getting these people contacting me I was at a ball in the days when you could go to balls and that sort of stuff a charity ball mm -hmm. I ran out of cash at the bar and I said to the lady behind the bar I said catch a check she says only if your name is Piers Day and I went <laughs> okay my name my name is Piers Day um and I said how do you know me and she said I saw you nine years ago and nine years ago, I was 18 and a half stone. <sighs> she was petite. She was so small. That looked absolutely <laughs> stunning. And she, I saw you and I lost all this weight. I've always meant to say thank you. I'm now saying thank you. Amazing. She, she lost, I think it was nine stone, ten stone. Good grief. She looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, and she was told she was too fat to have children. She'd remarried uh, and she had two children. Wonderful. Things like that that really make me feel good about my work. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything more rewarding. Mm, absolutely. So some people chase the big deals and all that sort of stuff. I chase the, the people changing people's lives. And clearly you have. Can you talk to us just a little bit more about working with children? Work with children. Yeah, they're our future. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm being very, very selfish when I like working with kids and, and teenagers. Mm. Is because if I put them out, they're gonna people they're gonna be the people running my old people's homes and that sort of stuff <laughs> where I'm going to be living years to come. <laughs> and I say this with a slight jest, but they are our future. Too many kids nowadays with social media, with the push button world, want everything too fast. And they live in this make-believe world that when something goes wrong, you just press the reset button. Mm. And frankly, real life, that doesn't happen. So when I work with kids, there's a lovely kid I've been working with, and he was having panic attacks, really bad panic attacks, mm. affecting his life at home, school. 
Uh, his parents wanted to go away for Christmas you know, abroad, and he said he couldn't go to the airport. They picked him up and they took him to the airport, kicking and screaming he wouldn't get on the plane. And they rang me and they said, right, Piers, we've got to, we've got to get this sorted. And we sorted it in, I think, three sessions. He's now the happiest kid. His grades have gone up at school. Everything, everything in life is better. And we didn't actually need to go into what happened. We didn't need to go into any of the gory stuff. Mm. Um, he suddenly had this huge message in his head that I can't cope. Mm. So we just changed that. We took away the triggers. We changed that to I'm really good at coping. Brilliant. And he is. And he's, he's a super little kid. Mm. How old is he? He's he's under 11, between 9 and 11. I don't want to say too much just no, in no. case anybody's listening and, and puts two and ten together. Because uh, to me, privacy with everybody is, is 100%. Yeah. When someone comes to see me, they often tell me things they've never told anybody else. So I have to have that trust with people. So I have complete confidentiality. Mm. And it works ways i tell them stuff they tell me stuff mm. and i say that i'm not intelligent enough to remember it so <laughs> if i see you in the street or i see you wherever i'm not going to come up to you and ask you about the problem mm. because it, it wouldn't be the right thing to do and i don't judge people so i said no, let's let's get on with it and as soon as they hear that they like it so they relax mm. and piers you, you are just naturally a very open and honest and very relaxed person thank you I try to be. Well, you are. You definitely are. Um, and I the other thing I was thinking is um, sometimes people can feel embarrassed about having issues, whether it's whether it's stress and anxiety or whether it's something they don't want to admit to. How do you make people feel a little better about them approaching you? The people will only come to see me as a last resort. I had a guy yesterday who came to see me and he said, Piers, if you can't help me, nobody can. Mm. And I said, well, I'll help you, but you've got to help me help you. Mm -hmm. you know, I throw it back at them. I say, fine, we can do this, but it's a team effort. If you're honest with me, I can get you through this quickly. I don't judge or anything like that. So a lot of people, and he's, what, nearly 30. He's had this for years and years and years, and he's been through all the usual pills. He's been through the usual rigmaroles of the NHS. Mm. And don't get me wrong, they help an awful lot of people. I tend to get the people they can't help. Mm. So that's why they always come to me and they say, Piers, you're my last hope. And you do get referrals from GPs and other consultants, don't you? Uh, yes, I do. I'm very lucky. Actually, it was the doctors at one of the surgeries, at Red Lodge Surgery. They contacted me and said, look, we've got a room. We've got lots of people. Can you come and help, please? Mm. And I just go in uh, one day a week into Red Lodge. I haven't for a while because of the, the COVID. Mm. But I used to spend a day a week there helping people with their everyday problems. You raise a valid point about COVID. How do you um, work at the moment with your clients? Uh, some I see, I do two days a week in both Nebens at Crowsdale still. Mm -hmm. Uh, but most of it I do on Zoom. I do a, a session. I, you know, sit, I can sit at home and work with people in the comfort of their own home. And what I love about Zoom, it's all encrypted end to end. So there's no way that anybody else can be listening or anything like that. And mm. I never record. Yeah, sorry for the very embarrassed people. That That is a nice way to start, isn't it? Has it, has it proven effective for you? Very effective. And I'm now getting a lot of recommendations from people within the NHS because over the lockdown I did 137 free sessions for anybody working in hospitals or in the front line 
who was having problems going into work due to stress or anxieties. Mm. So I used to have these young nurses and porters, loo cleaners, consultants, you name it, within mm. the NHS, ringing me up and saying, Piers, please, can I have a session? I can't, get, I can't go into work. I'm too frightened. Gosh, that's a big number. Oh, it is. It's a huge number. But if you were in the army, they'll teach you how to dodge bullets. They'll teach you actually to make your bullet hit the other person before their bullet hits you. Mm. I'm talking basically here. Yeah. Well, in the NHS, they don't teach you that. They don't teach you what to do on the front line because they haven't had to do it before. Mm, of course. And so these people go in and you know, you're, you've, you're dealing with these really nice, very, very helpful people who are desperate to help other people. And they just go into work and they just crack up. And in the early days, they didn't have all the right clothing. They didn't have you know, the right protection. And if you remember when it all blew up, everyone was saying, well, it kills so many people and you're all going to die. Yes, it has killed, sadly, too many people, but we know that people do recover. The longer we go into it, the better they are, the the doctors and the the hospitals are, are keeping people alive. Mm. If you look at the the death rates right at the beginning, that's because they didn't know what to do because they'd never come across it before. Mm. They learned by the, I'm not going to call them mistakes, but they learned by the mistakes as they went along. Yeah. That worked great. Okay, let's, let's do more of that. That didn't work. Right, let's drop that one. Mm. There was nothing out there to to say this is what you do. No, there was no so, book. There was no guidelines. Absolutely. And so this is what yeah I get. I don't want to get political, but I get slightly peed off with some of the people nowadays who are criticising everything the government does because they did that wrong. Yep, because no one's ever done it before. Mm. Give them a chance. Whether I'm too relaxed on that, I don't know. <laughs> but again, talking to a lot of the nurses, though some of them contact me still today yeah. to say, so much for helping me through that. Could you help my daughter or my neighbour's son or whatever it happens to be? Mm. Because they go, they're off to university, they're off to wherever, and they're worried. I mean, my son's at university, and it, a lot of his friends you know, are in lockdown and that sort of stuff. Mm. Some are very, very worried. Some are taking it in their stride. Mm. I can understand that totally. Where, where is your son at university? He's at Oxford Brooks. Yeah, okay. I'm not quite sure how Oxford is faring at the moment, but, uh, well, Oxford is where they're, they're making the vaccine. That's right. So uh, hopefully it'll, the vaccine will come along soon. Yeah. No, definitely. Now, Piers, if we want, well, we do, we want to reach out to you, we want to get in touch. How do we do that? There are two ways. The easiest way is just through my normal hypnotherapy website. Mm-hmm. Um, I call myself Suffolk Hypnotherapy, mm-hmm. and that's a .co.uk. Mm-hmm. You can get in touch with me at Crowsdale's Chemist in Bury St. Edmunds. And mm-hmm. uh, if you want to learn how to be a hypnotist, if you want to learn about NLP, just contact me uh, through the Suffolk Hypnotherapy. My NLP training company is called Lightbulb NLP. Mm-hmm. But because we're not doing face-to-face training at the moment, it's just a website telling you more training is going to come. Mm-hmm. But I'm very, very excited because I've just managed to link horns, so to speak, with Dr. Mark Chambers, who was a GP in Long Melford Mm -hmm. for 38 years and is now retired. And him and I are going to do some training about using NLP in everyday life. Fantastic. And our new company is called Working With NLP, and there should be a website up shortly. Hooray. Well, we'll keep looking for that. Indeed. Well, congratulations. Yeah, That's all going to be online. Mm. 
No, that's super. Piers, thank you so much. It's always lovely to talk to you. You're so positive. And if anybody feels they want to reach out to you, that you're there, aren't you? I am indeed. No, And thank you for having me on. I love the Suffolk Pod show. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, take care and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Suffolk Pod show. Find us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Or you can visit our website, podtalk.co.uk. And here's our disclaimer. The Suffolk Pod show will not be held responsible for any omissions or errors in its podcast. The Suffolk Pod show is produced purely for entertainment purposes. Views and opinions are that of our own or that of our guests. <laughs>